The Bible is a supernatural book that tells the story of a supernatural God who acts supernaturally. Somebody once counted nearly 200 miracles in the Bible. Uh, the Gospels record 37 miracles performed by Jesus alone. However, miracles might not be as common as you think. One scholar says a miracle is a special act of God that interrupts the natural course of events. More often than not, God works through the very laws of nature, like gravity, matter, and light, that he supernaturally spoke into existence, and that scientists can only observe. Only God can interrupt the forces of nature he created. Do you need a miracle today? Whether God delivers the miracle or not, will you still trust him? I'm Ron Jones, and this is Something Good. For I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God unto salvation to everyone that believeth, to the Jew first, and also to the Gentile. Hi, I'm Brian Davis. Thanks for stopping by for Something Good with Dr. Ron Jones, lead pastor at Atlantic Shores Baptist Church in Virginia Beach, Virginia. Today, we return to the book of Acts, where God is setting the stage to do the next big thing in his church. This was a unique time in church history, a transitional time, and Ron takes us there next as he continues his teaching series, A.D., Acts of the Apostles. You can stay with us now or visit somethinggoodradio.org to listen to the broadcast on demand on your schedule. That's somethinggoodradio.org. From Acts chapter 9, here's Ron with today's Something Good Radio message, Does Anybody Need a Miracle? I had the opportunity to um, attend a luncheon where I got to do kind of a nerdy thing. I got to tap into the nerdy side of me that likes to hear investment people and investment counselors and even economists talk about the world economy. Some of you have already glazed over. You're ready to nod off to sleep, but it's just kind of one of the things I, I enjoy from time to time. And it was fascinating to hear this uh, gentleman who was there who really has a grasp on world markets and could talk about any place in the world from an economic and investment standpoint and uh, just, just kind of off the cuff seemingly, uh, talk very deeply and sometimes way over my head. I have a layman's understanding of these kinds of things, but I'm always interested in them. But it was evident that this, this man had a deep, deep well because of what he did for a living, but of just because of his understanding of global markets. And one of the questions that came was from a man who says, uh, hey, hey, tell us what's going on in Japan. I'm reading these things about Japan, and I'm thinking, I, I don't know what's going on in Joplin, let alone Japan. Uh, but this guy was tapped in and wanted to know what was going on in Japan. The guy who answered the question, you know, again, just tapped into that deep well and summarized the problems in Japan that I didn't know about in just three simple statements. He says, number one, Japan has an aging population. Number two, um, they have a low birth rate. And thirdly, they have little to no immigration. I thought, wow, who knew? Uh, I had always heard about what was called the lost decade in Japan, that time between the early 90s and the early 2000s when uh, Japan experienced economic stagnation. Uh, that's, you know, economists talk about that. I didn't know there were ongoing problems in Japan related to an aging population, a low birth rate, and no immigration. That's a problem for a country. But I'm sitting here as a pastor thinking about all this and thinking, wow, that's, 
that describes a lot of churches or maybe some churches that I know. They're really in a tight spot because they have an aging population. They have a low birth rate, meaning they haven't seen anybody come to faith in Christ, born again into the family of God for years, maybe decades, and there's no immigration. There's no new people coming through the front door of the church. That's a problem in Japan. That's a problem in a church, right? And I sat there and I just thought to myself, praise God, that doesn't describe this church that we call Atlantic Shores. Uh, we don't have an aging congregation. We have a, a diversified congregation, age diversified, which means when you come here, you, you get to experience an intergenerational worship experience. We encourage you to get connected in small groups and life groups that are also intergenerational, and that's a good thing. That's a, that's a great experience to have. Uh, we don't have a, a low birth rate. Uh, we, we've seen 117 people come to faith in Jesus Christ, I think in the last 45 to 60 days through the extended ministries of this church, vacation Bible school, kids camp, student camp, mission trips around the world. We even have a team in Southeast Asia right now that we're praying for as they go into that part of the world, and who knows what kind of report they're going to come back with about uh, people who came to faith in Jesus Christ. But we don't have a low birth rate. And we don't have an immigration problem. <laughs> We've got new people coming into the life of the church every week and every month, and it's a very, very exciting time. And if you're one of those new people, welcome. We're glad you're here. And join with us in all the exciting things that God is doing here. So that little Japan thing doesn't describe this church, and it doesn't describe the early church in Acts, in the book of Acts either. And we learned that a long time ago in our study of the book of Acts. Uh, it was a very diverse group of people whom God used to start the church um, back 2,000 years ago. We can reasonably assume it was not a monolithic group in terms of their age. They were all over the map, and they were an ethnically diverse group. Even starting in Acts chapter 2 on the day of Pentecost, there were people from regions all across that part of the world who were speaking in different languages, and the miracle of the Baptism of the Spirit and the coming of the Holy Spirit allowed the early apostles to speak in their languages. So it was a very diverse group of people. They did not have a low birth rate. Oh my, the birth rate was exploding through the roof. Tens of thousands of people coming to faith in Jesus Christ just in Jerusalem. And uh, they didn't have an immigration problem. <laughs> I mean, this was the birth of the church. This, this was a time when there were scores of people coming into this entity Jesus called the ecclesia of God, uh, the called out ones, uh, the church of Jesus Christ that was not spoken of in the Old Testament. The first time it was ever mentioned was in, or was in uh, Caesarea Philippi when Jesus was with His disciples and He said, I will build my church, my ecclesia. This was the start of that. And, and the immigration, the migration into the body of Christ through the front doors of the ecclesia has been going on for 2,000 years. It was, it's an exciting time to read about in the book of Acts. Uh, it's a page-turning uh, kind of record and account of what happened 2,000 years ago, and we are in that flow. We are in that stream. It continues on today. It, it was a transitional time in God's plan. It was a transitional time in the sense that God was doing something new 
2,000 years ago. Following the death, the burial, the resurrection of Jesus Christ, uh, 40 days later, uh, the Holy Spirit comes, the, the church is born into existence, and God was up to something new. It was a transitional time, and it was a unique time. Uh, we call it the apostolic era, and we define an apostle as somebody who was an eyewitness of the resurrection of Jesus Christ. And the reason we, we say we don't have apostles today in the technical sense is because none of us were there. Uh, we were not eyewitnesses. And so as the apostles, you know, died off, uh, the apostolic era ended. One of the things that uniquely was happening during the apostolic era is that God confirmed the message and the messengers through signs and wonders and miracles. And we get to two of those signs and wonders and miracles at the end of um, Acts chapter 9. We're going to get to the story in a minute, but in verses 32 through 43, there's someone whose body is healed, and later somebody who's raised from the dead. Uh, two uh, apostolic era miracles, we'll call it, where God puts an exclamation point just before he's about to do something big within the big thing that he's doing. I'm talking about Acts chapter 10 that we'll get to next week where now the gospel spreads to even the Gentiles and the Jews. That was just not even a factor in their mind that the gospel would go that far. Before we get to the story in Acts 9, let's talk a little bit about miracles though. And let me start in the scholarly realm a respected theologian and apologist of the Christian faith uh, known as uh, Norman Geisler defines a miracle this way. A miracle is a special act of God that interrupts the natural course of events. He calls it a divine intervention, a supernatural exception. He goes on to say, to expand on this definition, we need some understanding of what is meant by natural law. Broadly, a natural law is a general description of the usual orderly way in which the world operates. It follows then that a miracle is an unusual, irregular, specific way in which God acts within the world. All right? You still with me on that? Uh, what he is saying is that there's natural law and then what we, we refer to as supernatural. But I even want to suggest to you that even with what we call natural law, uh, you'll see the supernatural hand of God. Uh, let me explain it this way. Back in Genesis chapter 1, we have the creation story, and, and God created the worlds as we know it, and He put certain natural laws in place, like, for instance, the law of gravity. And it's the law of gravity that, that uh, controls, as it were, the orbits of the planet in our little corner of our little small galaxy called the Milky Way, which is one of billions and billions of galaxies, as we understand it from a scientific and an astronomical standpoint. And this earth that we are on is perfectly distanced from the sun. It's tilted at a certain tilt. It rotates and revolves every day at a certain speed and rate and then, you know, revolves around the sun perfectly distanced from the sun at 93 million some odd miles. If we were a little bit closer, we'd burn up. If we were a little bit farther, we would freeze up. And all the planets that we talk about in our science class just kind of orbit around. That's called natural law. 
but don't mistake the supernatural hand of God in that. We, we wake up to miracles every day that we call natural law, and nature does this kind of thing. No, it's nature's God that has His supernatural hand on it, making sure that when we woke up this morning, our planet didn't drift too close to the sun or too far away from the sun, but we're in this perfectly synchronized thing in our little corner of a galaxy, in our little corner of this massive universe, where because of that synchronization, life can exist perfectly. Still ahead, the second half of Dr. Ron Jones' Something Good radio message, Does Anybody Need a Miracle? Need prayer today? Well, visit somethinggoodradio.org to share your request, and our ministry team will be happy to join you in prayer. Use the Explore option at the top of the homepage, and then scroll down to the How Can We Pray For You icon. And while you're there, find answers to your Bible questions in the Something Good digital library. Again, that web address is somethinggoodradio.org. God will use any means necessary to advance His gospel. Sometimes it's a sermon. Sometimes it's a sign. And every now and then, He uses a miracle. Here's Ron with the rest of today's Something Good radio message. Does anybody need a miracle? Colossians tells us that Jesus Christ is the creator and the sustainer of all of that. So when we start talking about miracles, let's not, let's not say that a natural law is absent of the supernatural hand of God, just the opposite. I have a pediatrician friend who says, he says, let me, let me just remind you this, every time I see a child born, it's a miracle to me. And it is. It's so normal and natural to us, and it is part of the natural law, conception, nine months of gestation in a mother's womb, and the baby comes out, and we see it happen every day, literally every day, but we ought to stand in wonder and awe and astonishment at the miracle that it is because the supernatural hand of God is there, making sure that, that you know, that happens. Different from that is a miracle. It's, it's, it's still the supernatural hand of God, but in an exceptional way that steps outside of the natural laws that He put in place. And by definition, therefore, a miracle is extremely rare. Miracles are extremely rare in history and in Bible history, so much so that I would say to you, be careful thinking you need a miracle a day to keep the devil away, all right? If miracles were that common, we wouldn't call them miracles, we'd call them routines, all right? Now again, natural law, there is, there is something supernatural going on there as, as the Creator sustains His universe. But the kind of miracles that we read about in Scripture are actually very rare. Let me explain what I'm talking about here. When you study the Bible from Genesis to Revelation, and you pay particular attention to the, the times when there were a lot of miracles and miracles flowing through individuals, human beings who were the instruments God was using of those miracles, those miracles tend to fall into three or four eras of time, uh, the first of which is what we would call the exodus all the way to the conquest of the promised land era. 
Think of Moses. He was 80 years old. He's herding sheep for his father-in-law on the backside of the desert. He has the burning bush experience. And he goes all the way back to Egypt, and he does the uh, let my people go thing in front of Pharaoh. And God gave Moses the ability to perform miracles. Remember the staff? He even gave that ability to his brother Aaron, and they did those things in front of the uh, Egyptian magicians. God was about to do something big. It's the emancipation of the Hebrews who had been in uh, slavery for 430 years. God was about to move His plan forward and emancipate His people. And what you find in the Scripture is when God is about to do something big, He brings an exclamation point or two by way of miracles, the supernatural and exceptional intervention of God. And He did that during the time of the Exodus all the way to through the wilderness wanderings. We read stories of miracles there, all the way to the time when Joshua led the people of Israel across the Jordan River into the promised land, and they're taking possession of the land that God had promised them. We read stories about the walls of Jericho falling down, all that kind of stuff, a time of miracles. The next time we see a significant rise in the supernatural miraculous is not until the prophetic ministries of Elijah and Elisha. And not every prophet in the Bible performed miracles. They all proclaimed the Word of God and were God's messengers, but they, they, they were not all miracle workers. Elijah and Elisha uh, were significantly so uh, for, for reasons that God had in His plan, and to put that exclamation point there, Elisha performed twice the number of miracles that Elijah did. And then the next time you see a significant influx of miracles in the Bible is not until Jesus and the apostolic era. And in fact, the 400 years leading up to that time, four centuries, think about that, there wasn't even a word from God between Malachi and Matthew, you know, that time between the Testaments. Imagine living during that time, your 60, 70, 80, 90 years of life on this earth, there wasn't a word from God, as best as we can tell, not a supernatural, miraculous intervention by God anywhere recorded. It was silent. But there was messianic expectation building up during those years such that when Messiah came, uh, when Jesus came, He came accompanied with signs and wonders and miracles. Why? Because all the Old Testament prophecies said when Messiah comes, the blind will see, the lame will walk. Even John the Baptist, the forerunner of Jesus, when he was in prison and had a moment of doubt, sent word by his disciples to Jesus, are you the one? And Jesus said, sent word back, and he said, remind John about the miracles. It's an exclamation point or two or three to say, God is doing something big at this time. Messiah has arrived. And those miracles continued on through the apostolic, apostolic era when after the death and the burial and the resurrection of Jesus Christ, the church was born and God was doing something big. We're part of that. We're downstream from that. But when he was getting it off the ground, the exclamation points came, the miracles, the signs, the wonders. The next time we read about in Scripture when miracles in that kind of a significant way will return is at the end of the age, just prior to the second coming of Jesus Christ. Now we're into Bible prophecy and specifically those seven years in future Bible prophecy known as the tribulation period. 
when I believe the church will be raptured out prior to that. During the tribulation, the supernatural, exceptional hand of God will return. Even the Antichrist will perform miracles, just like the Egyptian uh, magicians did, okay? Don't underestimate what the devil can do in the supernatural realm. That will be on steroids during the tribulation period where this this, this, this figure known as the Antichrist will perform miracles, the Bible says, in such a way that even the, the elect might be deceived. And it's just prior to a big thing that God's going to do called the awesome day of the Lord, the second coming and return of Jesus Christ. All of that I want you to understand in light of where these two apostolic era miracles that we're going to read about in Acts chapter 9, just toward the end of the chapter. Keep in mind, God is doing something big, but He's about to do something big within the big thing. He's about to send Peter from Joppa, where we find him at the end of Acts 9, to Caesarea to meet a guy named Cornelius who was a Gentile who came to faith in Jesus Christ. And all of the pride and the prejudice that was built up in Peter and all the Jews who started the church thinking that this gospel thing is only for the Jews, they're going to now understand, no, it's for the Gentiles as well. You're listening to Something Good with Dr. Ron Jones. Today's message, Does Anybody Need a Miracle?, is part of Ron's series, A.D. Acts of the Apostles. You can look for it under the library tab at somethinggoodradio.org. That's A.D. Acts of the Apostles, a teaching series from Ron Jones that explores the birth and the growth of the early church. Have you ever wanted to visit the land of the Bible and walk in the footsteps of Jesus? Join Dr. Ron and Catherine Jones and the Something Good Radio team for a thrilling Israel tour happening in January 2022. Experience a boat ride on the Sea of Galilee. Walk down the Via Dolorosa. Visit Gethsemane where Jesus prayed and Calvary where He shed His blood for you. Step inside the empty tomb and see for yourself that your Savior is risen indeed. Is the Holy Land on your bucket list? Experience Israel 2022. Register at somethinggoodradio.org. That's somethinggoodradio.org. All of us here at Something Good Radio hope you can join us on our upcoming trip to the Holy Land. Now, to make a reservation or for more information, just look for Something Good Travel when you visit somethinggoodradio.org. Something Good Radio exists only through the prayer and financial support from friends and listeners like you. That's how Ron stays on the air the whole year through, sharing the good news of the gospel to a world in which bad news is all too common. When you give a gift this month, Ron will say thank you by giving you the audio download of the teaching series that you're hearing now, A.D. Acts of the Apostles. That's A.D. Acts of the Apostles. Request your download of all 19 messages in the series today when you make a gift to Something Good Radio. You can give online at somethinggoodradio.org or you can mail your gift to P.O. Box 6245, Virginia Beach, Virginia, and the zip 23456. You can also call our offices 757-276-1099. Bible talks about walking in the Spirit, living by the Spirit, keeping in step with the Spirit. 
It's about yielding to that power. It takes a moment of surrender. You see, you have the Holy Spirit, you have the power. The question is, does the Holy Spirit have you? And that takes surrender. It takes a daily surrender to say, um, our Father who art in heaven, thy kingdom come, thy will be done. Okay? Not mine. I have to get to that point where I, I completely and wholly surrender to the Holy Spirit who lives inside of me, a power source that is unlimited to do exceeding and abundantly beyond all that we ask or imagine. That's tomorrow in part two of Dr. Ron Jones' message, Does Anybody Need a Miracle? Join us then for Something Good. For Ron and all of us here at Something Good Radio, I'm Brian Davis saying God bless and thanks for listening.